Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, We had a great event on the West Lawn of the Capitol Building in Washington with the uh, Tea Party. And I'm going to want to talk to you about that in hour three. I want to thank the Tea Party Patriots and all the Patriots that showed up. And Ted Cruz spoke. Louis Gohmert spoke. I understand Mike Lee spoke, among others. But I want to start with this. (laughs) One moment. I want to start with this. Hezbollah scouts scoped out New York City attack targets, feds. Hmm, Hezbollah. What's Hezbollah? Well, if you listen to this program, you know what Hezbollah is. Hezbollah is a terrorist militia wing of the Iranian Guard, of the Iranian Islamo-Nazi regime. Numbers about 40,000, 50,000. Uh, They've destroyed Lebanon and taken over that country. They've been used in Syria, and they're used elsewhere. And they've also been finding their way into the United States of America. They run a massive international drug ring, which includes the United States and uh, Central and South America, to help fund their terrorist activities, as well as receive direct funding from the Iranian regime and directions from the Iranian regime. I want to read you something. I want to read you something. A scout for the militant group Hezbollah, when you hear Hezbollah, think Iran, was looking at locations for attacks in New York, Boston, and Washington, D.C., and sending target information back to leadership in Lebanon, federal prosecutors said. They unveiled charges in Manhattan today against Alexei Saab of Morristown, New Jersey, who's been in custody since July. The government alleges that Saab has been a Hezbollah member since 1996 and has extensive firearms and bomb-making training. How did he get into the United States? Because our immigration system sucks, thanks to Congress and liberal Democrats and the media. That's how. Among Saab's dozens of alleged New York City targets, prosecutors said, were the George Washington Bridge, the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, Herald Square, and local airports and tunnels. He also surveilled targets in Boston and Washington, including Fenway Park and the Washington Monument. Saab, 42, and a naturalized U.S. citizen since 2008, faces charges of providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization as well as a variety of conspiracy and other charges. A 33-page complaint sealed since July 8 includes a variety of photos taken on a cell phone in 2003 
of sensitive locations taken by Saab around the country. Prosecutors allege the photos were gathered for the benefit of the Islamic Jihad Organization, or IJO, Hezbollah's external terrorism arm. Hezbollah has never been linked to any terror attacks in the United States. In particular, Saab focused on the structural weaknesses of locations he surveilled in order to determine how a future attack could cause the most destruction. The Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office said in a statement, though the complaint was just unveiled on Thursday, law enforcement executed search warrants on his email accounts in April 2018 and began interviewing him as far back as March 2019. Mark, Mark, I just heard on cable TV that we're sick of war. We're sick of war. I just heard on cable TV, Mark, that, that the foreign minister of Iran wants peace. He wants to sit down with the president of the United States. And but for John Bolton and the neocons and the war hawks and the warmongers, we could have peace in our time, Mark. Mark, if we would just stop cutting off funds to Iran, Mark, if we would allow Iran to sell all the oil at once, where are the provocateurs, Mark? It's us. We, America, the United States. We keep interfering in everybody's lives and everybody's country, and, and this is what happens, Mark. Now let's see if the pro-Iranian wing of the Republican Party, the Code Pink Republicans, and let's see if the left-wing Democrats, the Bernie Sanders wing, let's see what they have to say about this today. Maybe tonight. Well, they've said nothing about it today. Zero. Rand Paul hasn't been confronted. The propagandists and the media for Iran, they haven't been confronted. Let's see what they say. Now, this isn't the British doing this to us. It's not the French doing it. It's not the Israelis doing it. And so forth and so on. It's Iran. Hezbollah doesn't do a damn thing without Iran's direction. Not a thing. But Mark, they're thousands and thousands of miles away. What can they do? What did I say? We just acknowledged the 18th anniversary of 9-11. Of 9-11. Mark, Mark, that's different. How's it different? It's not different in the least. Oh, well, except for the fact that the Obama administration released $150 billion to our enemy. That's worse than anything Neville Chamberlain ever did. He came away with peace in our time, which was pathetic. But it's not like they transferred billions of dollars to the Third Reich. Only Obama does that. Now, this story even though mentioned here and there, is being downplayed. This story, so far, has been ignored by the Code Pink Republicans. Why is that? Why is this? This was a planned attack within the United States, against the United States, by an Islamo-Nazi Hezbollah slash with Iranian Ties. Crickets. Crickets. 
I just read this to you from a local CBS affiliate in New York. From a local CBS affiliate in New York. Now this foreign minister of Iran, and we're going to move to a bunch of other subjects, but I want, I want to put a fine point on this. You spend the time out of your life, out of your day, to listen to this program, and I want you to know why I feel it's worthwhile. Because we don't do things superficially here. And because we will confront and take on elements within our society that I think are undermining our society, or at least not helpful to the liberty and security of this country. Zavad Sarif, this Iranian foreign minister, who's close to Rand Paul, who's a propagandist for the regime in Tehran, who works for the regime in Tehran, and has worked very closely with the media in our country, left and right. I want you to hear what he said today when he was on CNN. He was on CNN today, which gives voice to the enemy. Cut one, go. What would be the consequence of an American or Saudi military strike on Iran now? An all-out war. You make a very serious statement there, sir. Well, I make a very serious statement about defending our country. I'm making a very serious statement that we don't want war. No, 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 no. They don't want war. They just attacked Saudi Arabia. They're trying to take over Iraq. They're trying to take over most of Syria. They've taken over most of Lebanon. They're threatening to attack Israel. And, of course, they're threatening to attack the United States with ICBMs and nuclear warheads once they have them. And now one of their operatives was plotting to blow up key facilities and sites in New York, Boston, and Washington. And this is the guy whose hand was held, walked around Washington, walked around town by Rand Paul and others in the Republican Party and others in the media. Go ahead. In a military confrontation, we believe that a military confrontation based on deception is awful. We'll have a lot of casualties, but we won't blink to defend our territory. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you won't be around to defend your territory, tough guy. He wasn't done. Cut to go. Put yourself in Saudi Arabia's shoes. If there was an attack on Iranian sovereign territory with cruise missiles launched from Saudi Arabia, what would Iran's response be? Well, they're making that up. Why do they want to make that up that it was from Iran? Not making it up. The technology's been examined by our intelligence services. It's Iranian. Our satellites picked up activity in Iran not from uh, the Yemenite terrorists, and they wouldn't have the sophisticated ability to send drones and cruise missiles with amazing accuracy from Yemen. Not possible. Go ahead. The Yemenis have announced responsibility for that. They have provided information about No, they've been told what to do. Iran has toppled the government in Yemen in order to try and cut off navigable waters 
in order to control all outflow of oil out of the Middle East, or the vast majority of it, to encircle Saudi Arabia and to threaten the United States Fifth Fleet. Go ahead. They have answered all the Saudi uh, disinformation campaign about the fact that they launched this attack against Saudi Arabia in self-defense. Now, they want to pin uh, the blame on Iran in order to achieve Now, this something. is what sleazeball genocidal regimes do. They lie. But the code pink Republicans in our country, the Bernie Sanders Democrats in our country, will tell you that America's lying. That we just want to get into another war. While they're claiming, of course, that they love America. So they'll believe the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which from day one has lied, lied against the United States. Go ahead. That is why I'm saying this is agitation for war. Uh, because it's based on lies. It's based on deception. So America is agitating for war, you see? You'll hear this from the fifth column in the United States, too. They attack Saudi Arabia. They blow out half of their oil production capacity. They are taking oil tankers off the high sea. Piracy. They are kidnapping foreign citizens, including Americans. They're the greatest uh, terrorist state in the world, believe it or not. Keep threatening the United States. Keep lying and cheating about their nuclear program. And you see, it's the United States that's provoking. We haven't done a damn thing. We have economic sanctions, but militarily, we haven't done anything. Go ahead. You lie and deceive men, it serves your interest. It doesn't even serve their interest. No, not at all. One more, cut three, go. There is a weakness, though, to Iran's denial about involvement in all of this, and that is really the Houthi Yemeni rebels who you say, and who say themselves, were behind this. This is a ragtag group of rebels who've been under siege for years. They struggle to get medicines, they struggle to get food. That indeed is part of your case why the war must stop. How is the world expected to believe that they were able to magic up drones and cruise missiles of this technology that flew across hundreds of miles of Saudi Arabia through tens of billions of dollars of air defenses without any external assistance and took out 19 targets? That's a big ask, people, to believe. Well, uh, you see, if you want to make your calculations based on this, Saudi Arabia should have been able to win this war against this group of besieged people exactly when they thought they would, four weeks after they started the war. But it's four and a half years. They have not been able to bring the Yemenis to their knees. Mm-hmm. All the excuses in the world. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens 
and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. And here is Rand Paul on One American News today. Cut five, go. If you add Saudi Arabia's military budget to all their allies, all these Gulf sheikdoms that surround Saudi Arabia, they spend eight times more on military than Iran. So they're more than capable, I think, of holding off Iran, retaliating against Iran. It doesn't, you know, that's the real question. Why does it always have to be the U.S.? Why do we always have to get involved? It doesn't always have to be the U.S. We don't always have to get involved. You know, this guy's unbelievable. I could hear him before 9-11. Why do we have to get involved in Afghanistan? What the hell? They don't have any military. I mean, the Taliban, they can't strike us. Al-Qaeda, they're awfully far away. Who cares? What's the problem? It'll always be an excuse. They don't have any military. They don't have any capacity. The Saudis are very, very well funded. Of course, there's 90 million Iranians, 20 million Saudis. Uh, I can go on and on and on, but this isn't about Saudi Arabia. This is a little tap dance these guys do. It's about the United States of America. We learned a lot in that attack on Saudi Arabia. But it is refreshing to know that Rand Paul does believe Iran attacked Saudi Arabia, not the Houthis or whatever out of Yemen. That's nice to know. So he's not buying that propaganda line anyway. What about the U.S. Fifth Fleet? Should we move it? Should we pull out of Bahrain? Where should we put it? Where should we put it? But what, what, what port should we put it in? I'm just curious. Maybe we can get it in one of those Disney ports, Mr. Producer. You know where they have their ship line? Move it over there. Look, we can withdraw from the whole world. We can take all our troops out of Europe, even though our men fought there and bled there and died there. Sure, we can move all our... What do we need them there for, right? We don't need any forward bases. Just pull them out of there. Well, all right, let's get out of NATO. The Europeans take care of themselves. What the hell? That's their problem. Sure, we can do all these things. They got all that kinds of money and so forth. It's not a... Why do we have our troops and our bases where we have them, ladies and gentlemen? To protect our country. That's why. I'll be back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil 
and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well, this is Mr. Liberty. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, the key here, folks, is not to be ideological when it comes to matters like this or foreign policy. Ideology doesn't work. Circumstances are different in each instance. Adversaries, enemies, allies, they're all different. They're all different. Obviously, the core issues is of what's in the best interest of the United States of America, not your ideology. And you can tell when somebody is pushing an ideology and not what's best for the United States of America. By the way, they trash anyone who takes a look at a situation with a sober mind and says, wait a minute, we have a problem here. You know, how many more wars can we be in? How many more? How many more? How many more? Like it's our fault. But they always do. This is the under the ugly underbelly. They always do ultimately blame the United States. While trying to convince you from a populist or radical libertarian or radical socialist point of view that they really are standing up for America, American soldiers, and the well-being of the citizenry. What are we going to do when Iran gets ICBMs with nuclear warheads, ladies and gentlemen? What are we going to do? The president said they're never going to get them. The president said, while he's president, they're never going to get them. They just showed us what they're capable of. So the chicken chickens, you know, they like to talk about chicken hawks. So the chicken chickens, they say, what's it our problem? Get out of the way. You know, you're talking about modern technology now. You're talking about nuclear proliferation with North Korea, with Iran, and other countries. Why are we always in the Middle East? Well, why are we anywhere? Why are we anywhere? I mean, are we supposed to pretend these things aren't going on? Now, you know what the hot story is today in the left-wing media and the phony media? Here's the headline at this website called Mediate, which is hate Trump, hate Republicans, hate Fox 24-7. It's, if you will, another media matters. They're competing with each other. This one is founded by Dan Abrams, the guy with the squirrel glued to the top of his head, so you don't know he's going bald. And he's the ABC News legal analyst. You might be familiar with that analyst since he's wrong all the time. 
But here's the hot story. Tell me if you can figure this out. Obviously, a leak from the House Intelligence Committee, which the Democrats control, by Connor Mannion, a nobody. A whistleblower complaint filed over President Donald Trump's talks with a foreign leader extended beyond just a single conversation, according to a new report. Now, they're whistleblowers and they're whistleblowers. So that's all we know. They go on. The New York Times reported Thursday today that the complaint was related to multiple acts by the president. Separately, another source told the Times, the always reliable New York Times, that the complaint also involved a pledge Trump made to a foreign leader, which the Washington Post had already reported. CNN's Manu Raju, I know who this guy is, sleazeball, also confirmed the reporting, speaking live on CNN Newsroom Thursday with anchor Erica Hill. All right, so far we have the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, all leaked to from somebody on the House Intelligence Committee about a whistleblower complaint. That's all we know. Quote, we are told by multiple sources familiar with the matter that the inspector general told the House Intelligence Committee today that the complaint dealt with, in part, multiple instances involving the president. So when inspector general gets information like this, he or she is compelled to inform, in this case, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. So it's not like he's ratting them out or ratting out the president. We've known so far that there was at least one incident that caused alarm for this whistleblower. A phone call, a conversation with a foreign leader, Raju said. So we don't know anything. Except some person is a whistleblower. Self-identified, self-characterized. That's all we know. I'm going on. But the question is exactly what does that mean, Erica? Members of the committee briefed earlier by the inspector general, not given any substance whatsoever about what the president allegedly did, what caused the concern or the substance, because the inspector general wasn't authorized to talk about the substance of the complaint. Well, whatever it is, you know why he wasn't authorized. Because they leak. They commit felonies on that committee. Let's go on. Nevertheless, we are now learning the release. More than one instance that caused alarm from that whistleblower, Raju said. But we don't know what that is yet. Members of Congress don't know what that is yet. And warning perhaps could end up in a court for a protracted fight. Mr. Purdue, what, what is this story saying? Nothing. Nothing. This is a pseudo-event. Remember on Freedom of the Press? This is a pseudo-event, as the president calls it, fake news. There's nothing in here. There's zero in here. Nothing. Nothing. Let's listen to this Manu Raja report on CNN today. Cut 19. Go. We're told by multiple sources uh, familiar with the matter that the inspector general told the House Intelligence Committee today that the complaint dealt with, in part, multiple instances involving the president. We've known so far that there was at least one. Multiple incidences of what? Go ahead caused alarm from this whistleblower, a phone call, or a conversation with a foreign leader between the president. The Washington Post reported that that was a, uh, some sort of promise the president allegedly made that was part of the reason for the concern. But also now we're learning that there were multiple instances beyond just that phone call. Multiple but- instances of what? That this person listening in on the call reported. Go ahead. 
is exactly what that means, Erica. The members of the committee who were briefed earlier today by the Inspector General were not given any substance whatsoever about what the President allegedly did, what caused the concern, what the substance of the concern is, because the Inspector General was not authorized by the, by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Justice Department to, to talk about... So the about Director of National Intelligence said no. The United States Department of Justice said, no, you don't share that information. We have a nameless, anonymous whistleblower who could be a left-wing hack for all we know. We know nothing about this person. We have leaks out of the House Intelligence Committee that have absolutely zero substance, nothing. And this is how a pseudo-issue becomes a controversial issue in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, I just explained to you what Hezbollah was doing in our country what Iran is doing in our country via Hezbollah, what the foreign minister of Iran has said about the United States and has lied about their attacks. Very little attention. But now we have this controversy, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN. And you're, on, you're able to unravel all this now. An anonymous whistleblower. President promised something to a country, maybe more than once, or maybe more than one country. We don't know what it is. It's a cover-up. The DNI, the DOJ, they won't report it. They won't allow it to be revealed to the committee. And Adam Schiff, always a man of great honor and ethics, balance, a statesman, he held an impromptu press conference today. Looks like in the basement of the Capitol building, all by himself. Saying all this information is being withheld from the House. Isn't it grotesque? America, <clears throat> most of you who have nothing to do with the federal government in terms of uh, working for the federal government or operating with the federal government, unless, of course, they get in your face. America, outside of the Beltway, all of you folks, you must be so sick and tired of this stuff. It's unbelievable. So now the headline is, Urgent Whistleblower Complaint Withheld from Congress. Now we must get to the bottom of this. This latest scandal. You watch. Somehow they're going to say, must involve Russia. Must involve Putin. Must, must. We must get to the bottom of this. Issue subpoenas as fast as you can. Get at the federal court as fast as you can. Give it to Nadler. Must be an impeachment issue. I'm watching people on TV comment about this. Other than what I've described to you, what's there to comment about? You have these people on TV and on radio commenting about something that they don't know anything about. They don't know anything about the whistleblower. They don't know anything about what was said. They don't know if there's one country, multiple countries, any countries. So, of course, we're going to trash the DNI and the DOJ. Why? Because they won't play along with Adam Schiff and the media. They won't play along with Adam Schiff and the media. And yet, people in the House Intelligence Committee are leaking to the media about nothing at all. And we know that Adam Schiff is a leaker. That is an unequivocal, indisputable fact. 
during one of the committee hearings. He kept stepping out, coming back in, stepping out, coming back in. He would step out, leak to CNN, among others. And CNN would dutifully report what he says. Remember, there is a marriage between the Democrat Party and the media. And the Democrats know that they can rely on CNN, the Washington Post, and New York Times. And there they are. All in this one story. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mr. Producer, do we have a good caller or an irregular American, a.k.a. liberal? A regular person. Yeah. KDWN, Don Craig, Las Vegas, Nevada. Go. Hey, uh, how are you doing? Lovely, thank you. I'm calling about the so-called whistleblower. Uh, I think anybody that listens to the president's conversations without his knowledge, that's a spy. Not a whistleblower. Well, now, we don't know if it's without his knowledge or not. Some of these calls are all listened to and transcribed, so I don't know what's going on in that regard. But my focus on this is I don't even understand what the story is. There's nothing here. Zero. And isn't it interesting? Have you ever seen any of this stuff leaked on Obama? No. no ever. None of this stuff. And, so. and, and when he had, uh, uh, Obama did, discussions with the heads of state you know trump has had discussions with heads of state leaked before how hard could it be to track down the agencies that are monitoring this even if they're supposed to monitor it how hard is it to track that down it shouldn't be very hard should it no that's that's what we have people in the doj for i would think yeah i'm with you buddy thank you craig tommy dallas Pennsylvania, the great WTRW. Go. Mark, it was uh, interesting to listen to your description about the Hezbollah uh, infiltrator. And uh, certainly Iran is the greatest proximate threat, I think, to the United States with China being a long-term threat. But there was a report in investigativeproject.org in in July that talked about the expanse of network of terror that Iran has throughout the world with a group of operatives and surrogates uh, spread virtually on all continents who are ready to spring into action at um, at any given moment. 
And so we have a theocracy here uh, that blends uh, politics and, and God, which has always been a deadly combination, and who are probably ready to self-sacrifice and self-immolate uh, for their uh, you know, jihad. And so I really consider them the, the, uh, the most dangerous uh, group in the world, and I think we have to uh, address this uh, problem ASAP. Why, why do you think people who are otherwise relatively intelligent and strategic pretend that they're not a threat to us. Say, oh, let Saudi Arabia, oh, let, you know, let, uh, let Iraq handle, you know, let Lebanon, let the, let the Israeli, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, let's go to the U.N. Why do you think people react that way? Well, I, uh, I, th- I think they're putting their head in the sand and, and uh, being a Pollyanna approach, uh, just hoping for the best. But I think when you look uh, soberly at the facts that uh, Iran is an extremely formidable opponent, I mean, we're not dealing with, um, e- even the Israelis would have a tough time dealing with them uh, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And um, with all the targets and all the disruption that Iran can occur or you know, cause in the Middle East, and even with our base in Bahrain being at, uh, at potential risk, um, you know, this this could be a real problem, and I don't know whether uh, knowledge of these things has caused some of the reticence that the Obama administration uh, decided to be appeasers, and that we're treading on eggshells with our response to um, their overt threats. And uh, have, have you? Let me ask you something. Have you seen? Not that you watch TV all day. I certainly won't and don't. But have you ever seen any of these news people? You know, these news people are like, you know, we're not like the opinion guys at prime time actually put up map of the Middle East on the wall and show where Iran now is, what it's invaded, the country, the government said it's overthrown, uh, the, the reach of its uh, cruise missiles and other weaponry and so forth, and a list of the people from the West, whether it's the U.S. or Australia or Britain or others, that they've kidnapped. They don't even teach the American people about what Iran is and what Iran is doing. Isn't that remarkable? Well, I still think it's a holdover from this. So the Obama uh, deal with them that they're um, they're they're still defending. Uh, so you think they're problem. so wedded to that deal that they're not going to expose Iran for what it is? Yeah, I I just think that um, uh, again it's a Pollyanna approach, and uh, and but the other thing is uh, I think they're. They're still trying to defend the uh, the deal we had with Iran that uh, President Trump. How do you explain the code pink Republicans? Uh, ideologues. Well, well, they've always been the same. Uh, but you've got to you've got to sort of look at the ideologues we're dealing with and our enemies as well. And um, and these people are willing to go to the mat and, uh, as I said, self immolate. Uh, All right, my friend. Right. Actually, a wonderful call. Very, very good. I just can't imagine these people with ICBMs and nuclear warheads. I mean, that changes the whole game, doesn't it? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 381 
3811. Well, well, well. I want to read you an excellent piece by Macubin Thomas Owens, or Mac Owens. And um, he is a uh, fellow of the Farm Policy Research Institute in Philadelphia and so forth. I don't believe I've ever met him, but that doesn't matter. He says, slandering the American founding. Well, it's settled, he says. Everything we thought we knew about the American founding is wrong. You see, the real American founding is not the Declaration of Independence in 1776 or even the drafting of the Constitution in 1787. Instead, it's 1619 when the first slaves arrived in the settlement of Jamestown. Thus saith the 1619 Project of the New York Times which seeks to, quote, reframe the country's history, understanding 1619 as our true founding. I'm quoting from this article, which quotes the New York Times, and placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the story we tell ourselves about who we are, unquote. Of course, the 1619 Project merely regurgitates what has been the mainstream view of today's Democratic Party. For instance, Beto O'Rourke said recently that this country is founded on racism, has persisted through racism, and is racist today. Bernie Sanders said earlier this year that the United States was created in large part on racist principles. How did this calumny take root? The answer can be traced to the project of an Italian communist named Antonio Gramsci, the father of cultural Marxism when the 1930s called on socialists and communists to subvert Western culture from the inside in order to prepare the soil for the overthrow of liberalism. In the 1960s, the German activist Rudi Dutschke dubbed this project, quote, the long march through the institutions. The success of this endeavor, especially in the academy, can be seen by the popularity of Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, a disgraceful work filled with outright falsehoods, omissions, distortions of evidence, logical fallacies, plagiarism, and dubious sources. The book is such a travesty that even left-leaning historians have denounced it. Yet two generations of high school and college students have been marinated in this toxic stew, which advances the view that the United States is unjust and racist. In 1776, slavery was a worldwide phenomenon. Indeed, it was Africans who sold other Africans into the Atlantic slave trade, the mass majority of whom were transported to South America. Muslims enslaved Europeans. The United States was founded on a different principle, one that undermined the morality of slavery. Undermined the morality of slavery. The fact is that the principles of the Constitution are fundamentally anti-slavery. As James Madison noted, those present at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, quote, thought it wrong to admit in the Constitution the idea that there could be property in men, unquote. Of course, those who argue that the American founding was unjust point to the fact that the Constitution compromised on the issue of slavery. But people who assert this claim make the fundamental error of confusing the principles of the Constitution 
which arise from the Declaration of Independence, with its compromises, in the absence of which slave states very possibly would have created a polity wholly devoted to slavery. And I would argue the two points he's probably talking about, the three-fifths rule had nothing to do with promoting slavery, had to do with weakening the representation of the slave states in the South in the United States House of Representatives. And there was a specific cutoff date for the importation of slaves. The next day, it was enforced by the federal government. He goes on, does Owens. One who recognized this point was Frederick Dulles, the great abolitionist and former slave, who came to understand that without the United States Constitution, which he believed was fundamentally an anti-slavery document, and the union it created, slavery would never have been ended in America. Economists and historians have been exposing the shoddy scholarship that underpins the 1619 Project. But the real flaw in the project is its failure to recognize the role of the American founding in the eventual abolition of slavery, at least in the West. As the late Harry Jaffa once wrote, It is not wonderful that a nation of slaveholders, upon achieving independence, failed to abolish slavery. What is wonderful, indeed miraculous, is that a nation of slaveholders founded a new nation on the proposition that all men are created equal, making the abolition of slavery a moral and political necessity. And Jaffa makes that point, the late Harry Jaffa, and he is, for all intents and purposes, or was, repeating what Abraham Lincoln had said in 1858. What Abraham Lincoln had said in 1858. And in order to get around what Abraham Lincoln said during his campaign for the Senate in Illinois, his campaign for the presidency, and his actions as President of the United States, is to start to rewrite the history about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he really supported slavery. First and foremost, he was worried about keeping the Union together. Yes, he was very worried about keeping the Union together before he was even sworn in. Several states had already left the Union, slave states. And the nation was already at war. He was very worried about keeping the Union together. But he believed that keeping the Union together was important in its own right. But keeping the Union together was also the only way to abolish slavery, which he opposed early on in his career. But you see, you have to destroy Abraham Lincoln, too. And Abraham Lincoln did more than any of the Marxist leftists, more than the New York Times, ever, to address the issue of slavery and the rights of African Americans than any other human being in the United States of America. Abraham Lincoln, who loved the United States Constitution, who loved the American Declaration and cited it over and over and over again, which is exactly what the Marxist left attacks day in and day out. Abraham Lincoln never said the founders were slaveholders, and by the way, many of them were not. Tell me, how many slaves did John Adams have? None. None. How about Dr. Warren? None. How about Hancock? None. 
How about Franklin? None. And they were just as important in founding this nation, just as important in promoting the Constitution as anybody else. And yet look at what they created, this country. The most diverse country on the face of the earth. The most diverse country on the face of the earth. With the most liberty on the face of the earth. No thanks to Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris. You know what they are, ladies and gentlemen? They are beneficiaries of what the founders did, of what the framers created, of Abraham Lincoln's leadership. They are beneficiaries of American history. While they trash it and trash our principles and everything related to them. You and I, we need to figure out how to take our classrooms back from the radical left. The Marxist tenured professors. The left-wing NEA, AFT tenured teachers. Not all, but too damn many. We have to figure out how to take our classrooms back. How to take our school systems back. How to take our school boards back. We need to figure out how to take our universities and colleges back. We cannot just surrender them to to this fifth column that has as its purpose to destroy what is so great about this nation. They've already destroyed the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party, if it has its way, will destroy the rest of us. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Again, we had a wonderful time on the West Lawn, Tea Party Patriots, great patriots, uh, talking about the need to defeat socialism, the people who promote it, climate change, and all the rest of it. And I'm going to want you to hear some of that in hour three. But before we get there, I mean, uh, you know, I've been around a little while, not the oldest person in the world, but 1976, I was a young man, I worked in the... Reagan primary, we came close, but we lost. 1980, obviously, President Reagan won. I served in his administration for eight years. 
I've written books, been on the radio. I, I really never thought we'd reach this point where we actually have grown adults telling us when they run for president what we should eat, how that's going to affect the climate, and how the media report it as if it's serious, and not only report it, promote it, and insist on it. There is not just an evil, but an insanity that pervades the left. People want to believe. And they want to believe simple things, like ignoramuses. That if you stop eating hamburgers, that you'll be able to affect the climate. That if you stop using plastic straws, you'll save the whales. I mean, this should really be a comedy show. But it's not. Moreover, it is a pack of lives through which they hope to convince you that the entire society, your lifestyle, and that of your children and grandchildren should be radically altered to accommodate their buffoonery. And then they find crackpots, who they call experts. They will not allow others who are really experts with all kinds of degrees and experience and scholarship, to counter them. Censorship, like Chuck Todd at Meet the Depressed. Andrew Yang is a nobody, was a businessman, but he's a screwball. But we're told he's refreshing, and he's honest. No, he's a screwball. Listen to him. Cut seven, go. Now, cattle is very energy consuming and energy expensive. Uh, and if you project forward on what we would need to do to reduce emissions, you would want to modify Americans' diets over time. Now, some of that is happening naturally through education. I do think it's difficult to regulate diets. Um, so what you would want to do again is you'd want those uh, cattle producers to have to internalize the cost of emissions. All right, so Be- slow down. So we're going to put cattle producers out of business. You want to go after the Second Amendment, you want to put gun manufacturers out of business. Cattle producers out of business because of emissions. And this insanity is treated as serious science. Go ahead. If your cattle ends up um, polluting a lot, which they do just naturally, we don't hate them for it. I mean, they're just big animals. <laughs> don't hate the cattle, hate them, whatever. Uh, so then what that would naturally do, and some people are going to hate this, but it would probably make those products more expensive. Um, and that- now, ladies and gentlemen, this is glib, of course, on his part, but I want you to think about something. As much as the left and people you know attack processed foods, Processed foods were the greatest invention to feed more people a hundred years ago who were dying in our major cities, who had moved to our major cities post-industrial revolution. You don't have fresh food a hundred years ago in our major cities or fresh meat or chicken or fish. It was rancid. 
It was sour. We had the highest level of stomach cancer 100 years ago in this country. People tried different ways to keep it fresh. On ice, didn't work. With sawdust, it didn't work. Adding all kinds of chemicals, it didn't work. People were starving. People came up with ideas. This is when Heinz Ketchup was born, with the clear bottle. The History Channel's done a superb job of explaining this. I recommend you watch it from time to time. Frozen food, bird's eye. General Mills. Post cereals, Kellogg cereals before them. People didn't have fresh food. In fact, they didn't have food. They didn't have three squares a day. You had slums in New York and slums in Chicago and so forth. Not everybody, but too many. And so I know people attack processed foods all the time because capitalism just keeps developing and developing and getting better and better for human beings. I want you to look at these fast food restaurants. Maybe you don't need to eat fast food. Maybe you have sworn off fast food. But fast food feeds a hell of a lot of people in this country. And it feeds a hell of a lot of people in this country who don't have a hell of a lot of money. And they sell a lot of hamburgers. A lot of hamburgers. So what are you getting at, Mark? When people sit around, millionaires and academics and intellectual wannabes and leftists and talk about driving up the price of energy, electricity, driving up the price of hamburgers, driving up the price of this, that, and the other, who do you think they're affecting? They're affecting many of you and they're affecting people in our metropolitan areas and in our rural areas who fight to make ends meet. Who fight to make ends meet. There's nothing wrong with a hamburger. Nothing at all. I told you before, this is not a movement to progress. This is a regressive movement that seeks to drag us back, that seeks to make us poorer, that seeks to deny you choices, deny you what you like and maybe what you need. Who the hell is Andrew Yang? He's a nobody. Or when I return. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day. Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. 
Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Approximately 2 million burglaries are reported a year in the U.S. Census. 83% of burglars admitted they specifically looked to see if there's an alarm. Why hit a house that has an alarm when you can hit one that doesn't? 20 out of every 1,000 households were burglarized in 2017. What's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. So four in five do not. Maybe because most companies don't make it very easy. Well, that's why Simply Safe is my top choice, hands down. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. They make it easy. No contract, no hidden fees or fine print. Round-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When another home's security system is triggered, a lot of the time police assume it's a false alarm because it probably is. And the call goes to the bottom of the list. But not with Simply Safe. Why? Because they use their video verification technology. And they're able to visually confirm that the break-in is in fact happening allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than with other home security companies. And for my listeners, you, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark, that's critical, my name.com, get free shipping and a money back guarantee. That's simplysafemark.com today. Simplysafemark.com right now. Head over there. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. Now let's uh, continue with Mr. Yang. Andrew Yang at the Climate Forum 2020 at Georgetown University today. This is where this took place. The Climate Forum. Endless propaganda. Endless BS. In our universities, high schools, and in the media, of course. The left has conquered all these institutions. Cut eight. Go. How many of you would agree with this statement? Americans have gotten less reasonable, less rational, less optimistic, and more subject to bad ideas in the last 20 years. Uh, so Now, he's talking here. mostly to college students. How would they know? Aren't most of them 17 to 21 years old, Mr. Producer? Hey, I'm Andrew Yang. How many of you believe that Americans have gotten dumber? Over the last 20 years. Oh, I do. Oh, me. I do. Oh, thank you. Let's ban hamburgers. What? Straws. The hell is this guy? I would say some Americans have gotten dumb over the last 20 years, and a handful of them are running for the nomination for the Democrat Party for president. Go ahead. Now, the, the reason why that feels like the case is because we have introduced record levels of financial insecurity into our population. Now, let's stop right there. What do you mean we've introduced record levels of financial insecurity into our population? 
Nobody's introduced that into our population. You decide if you want to buy something, if you want to put it on credit or not. And, you know, here's the funny thing. If you're a credit institution and you don't want to give credit to individuals who you don't think can pay back, you're going to be accused of redlining, of discrimination. You're going to face lawsuits. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Back to Andrew Yang. Go. Studies have shown that if you cannot pay your bills, your bandwidth gets constrained cognitively because you're just trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And it has the function- Your bandwidth gets constrained cognitively. What he's trying to say there is you're distracted and you're stressed. Studies have shown this, you know. You know what else studies have shown? If there's stress in your life, you're stressed out. This guy's running for president of the United States. He should be in a padded cell. Go ahead. Impact of reducing your IQ by 13 points or one what, standard deviation. What, 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 what? So if you're constrained cognitively because you have debt, it will reduce your IQ by 13 points. Well, then I have a question, Mr. Producer. Given the federal government is in massive debt and these politicians have created it, aren't they all in a negative IQ area? If you're a liberal... And you want to indebt the United States of America. Further. Further. With all your phony entitlement plans and this plan and that plan. You must have a very, very low IQ. This guy might be onto something. Mr. Yang must have a very, very low IQ. Because surely when you're talking about stress from debt, you can't just be talking about your own. What about the nation? And so Mr. Yang has made the case that he has a low IQ. And if you're a leftist... You have a low IQ. Go ahead. So if you have the feeling that our fellow citizens are getting less... Ah, shut up, you idiot. Go have a hamburger. But he has another proposal. Hamburgers out. Straws out. This out, that out. What else? What do they always attack? What do they always attack? Cut nine, go. Uh, Do I think that we're going to be uh, burning fossil fuels at gas stations in the same way we do now in 2050? I really hope we do not. I hope that that's a charging station. I hope that you only have to use it. This is so... I hope it's a charging station. Charge with what? Electricity. Well, how are we going to get electricity? Does electricity just happen? No, you need hydroelectric plants, but they don't favor dams. In fact, they started to tear them down in the Obama administration. What about coal? Can't use coal. What about natural gas? Fracking. Not, can't do that. Remember, we're going to be off fossil fuels. So how are we going to create electricity? The sun. Oh, the sun. Okay, cool. We're going to create electricity with the sun. Yeah. Who's doing that exactly? Who's going to do that? You hear these politicians say, in 50 years, we're going to do this, we're not going to do Who is it? Where's Thomas Edison today? They have no idea. Where's Andrew Mellon? Where are all these people who finance these sort of things? They have no idea. They just blurt it out. Listen to this guy. This guy thinks he can remake the whole world. He wakes up one day, falls out of bed, brushes his teeth, maybe takes a shower if we're lucky. All of them on the left. Says, hey, I got let's get rid of hamburgers. One day we'll get rid of fossil fuels. We'll get rid of automobiles. We've got all this uh, constrained cognitivity going on here. You know, and then they run for president. You know what? That guy might be onto something there. No, he might be on something. 
not onto something. Go ahead. And that we're, we're in clean cars. We might not even own our cars at that point. I mean, the, these business models are going to change a lot. And as a country, we cannot get stuck saying that, well, this is the way it is now, so we have to stick Nobody with it. Nobody says this is the way it is now, so we have to stick with it. If entrepreneurs invent stuff and become filthy rich as a result, good. Good. But if you're going to steal all their money and redistribute it to people on the dole or to your constituent groups, or if you're going to regulate them to death, or you're going to interfere with the process of economic production and progress and evolution. They don't favor economic evolution, but ask them about human evolution. They never shut the hell up. Anyway, you're not going to have any of this. You're going to have poverty. You're going to have brownouts and blackouts. You're going to create dislocation in the economy, including the production and the provision of food. That's what you get with centrally managed economies, by nitwits like this. By nitwits like this. Now, you'll know why I want plastic straws, Mr. Producer. Because you can shoot the best spitballs with plastic straws. Have you noticed that? Paper ones, no, 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 no. I have to throw it away, get another one, throw it away, get another one. It's very, very wasteful. It's environmentally unfriendly. McDonald's used to have these straws. I remember this as a kid. They were really wide. They were big. You could put a big wad of, news, uh, of a napkin or paper in there and shoot the best spitballs. Really could. But this guy, Yang, is not alone. And by the way, all this helps Donald Trump because I, I got to believe the vast majority of the American people know these people are nuts. You never know. You never know. Marianne Williamson. Nobody ever heard of her before, and the vast majority of the American people don't know who the hell she is either. What is she, a palm reader or something? I don't know what she is. No idea. Marianne Williamson. She's at the Climate Forum in 2020 at Georgetown University today, too. I wonder if any climate deniers were there, a.k.a. actual scientists and experts. You can't have that when you have a, basically a, uh, a religious gathering of holy climate rollers. It's tough to get in there if you have a different point of view, particularly at Georgetown or any university which doesn't believe in the diversity of viewpoints. Very Stalinist mentality. Anyway, here she is. Cut 10, go. Moral, ethical considerations, that's not our job. Our job is... Now, wait a minute. Yang just gave us a mouthful of moral, ethical considerations. But anyway, it's not our job. Go ahead. Moral, ethical considerations, that's not our job. Our job is short-term profit for the shareholders. With complete blinders on, don't talk to me about any other stakeholders. That is a virulent form of capitalism. All right, let's, let's, let's slow down. Well, she paints with a broad brush, doesn't she? Short-term profit for the shareholders with complete blinders on. These constant attacks on American business. Most of you work for businesses, or you start your own businesses, or you're contractors or subcontractors to businesses. Short-term profit? Well, sometimes there's short-term profit, sometimes there's long-term profit. But there's good that there's profit because something's actually working. 
and people are actually buying something that's being produced or some service. That's a good thing. But they talk in these generalities. Short-term profit. Short-term profits aren't always bad. Sometimes they're great. Same with long-term profits. Just depends on the circumstance. Why do we care? Why do we care? It's a virulent form of capitalism. Go ahead. One that makes people a lot of money in this world. Now, see, he's got Ali Velshi. Who the hell's Ali Velshi, Mr. Producer? CNN? Oh, excuse me, MSNBC. Same damn thing. Why do we have both of those uh, networks? Aren't they the same? Pretty much. So Ali Velshi of MSNBC. But it is the one that makes people a lot of money in this world. You can't make a lot of money. We want you stupid and poor. We want a bunch of zombies. That's what we want. Eat what we tell you to eat. Buy what we tell you to buy. Don't buy what we tell you to buy. Wear what we tell you to wear. Go ahead. A small group amount of people are made money by that, and a very large, massive group of people suffer because of that. No, no. You're not talking about the United States of America, you idiot. Where the vast majority of the people do not suffer. The vast majority of the people actually prosper compared to any other economic model or any other country on the face of the earth. Once again, look at our border. We're not building a wall to keep people in. We're building a wall to keep people out. It's the rest of the world that doesn't know what the hell it's doing. Not us. And these clowns, these clowns would turn us into those countries from which these people flee. We have liberty, we have mobility, we have prosperity, we have access to virtually anything we want. And listen to these people. What damn country are they talking about? Not mine. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Here's a question for you, ladies and gentlemen. How many parents and children are separated as a result of adults being prosecuted under the Internal Revenue Code violations. I'm asking a serious questions. How many mothers and or fathers are separated from their children as a result of serving in prison for violating the Internal Revenue Code? 
why don't we get that number? And if it's a lot, why don't we abolish the Internal Revenue Code? Now look, I'm trying to think like a leftist. Why don't we abolish the Internal Revenue Code? If we're concerned about mass deaths, why don't we abolish the CAFE standards? Why don't we abolish the things that the left creates that causes mayhem and dislocation? In some cases, death. Why don't we ever go on offense? Why are we always on defense? We have to defend the Second Amendment from a bozo like Beto O'Dork. I've got to defend hamburgers from a clown like Andrew Yang. I have to defend private property rights, which goes back thousands of years, from a nitwit like Elizabeth Warren, who lied about her ancestry. And I can go on and on. Why do we play defense all the time? We're dealing with a bunch of reprobates. Have you gotten a robocall or email for a pre-approved loan or credit card? If so, watch out. You may be the target of cyber criminals trying to steal your home. More accurately, they want the equity in your home, and then you're a sitting duck. It's because our personal information, home titles, and mortgages, well, they're now online. The thief just forges your signature, so it appears you actually sold your home to him. He then takes out loans against your home and leaves you in debt. And no insurance, bank or identity theft program protects you. None. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a firewall around your home's online title and mortgage to lock it down. Your home equity is your nest egg, your emergency fund. You need that money for a thousand reasons and one. Now imagine it's all gone. I want to help you. I want to protect my listeners. So we got you a 60 risk-free days of protection. 60 risk-free days of protection. Just go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, enter your address. They want to see if you're already a victim. And then get your 60 risk-free days. Visit HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, and just protect your equity, which is probably the biggest asset you have. And it's also the biggest asset that is subject to these thieves. All right. Who do we have here? Let's see. My wonderful call screen. Here it is. It's actually here. Noah, Denver, Colorado, XM Satellite. Go. Mr. Levin, it's an honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, uh, so I graduated high school in 2014, which in the grand scheme of things isn't very long. <laughs> right. um, seems like a long time for me. But, um, well, that's uh, it's five years ago, and we only have uh, 10 years left when it comes to climate change, so better right. get ready. Exactly. Well, as the only conservative high school student, uh, I can tell you that social studies, English, science, everything was, you know, slavery. You know, the United States was built on slavery, and Global warming was taught as fact, and uh, I would often fail tests because they would have questions on global warming, and I would either put a point that disproved that question or ignore it altogether. Um, Tell me, did they teach you the history of the Democrat Party, that it's favored slavery, segregation? Not at all. Um, In fact, what they would teach is the big Democratic Party switch that Mm. isn't really— That occurred in the South, where all these Democrats, segregationists, suddenly became Republicans. 
Right. Is that what they taught you? I get um, nitwit left-wing callers all the time saying the same thing. Now, you have a new generation of people, and uh, they always were Republican, and they are Republican. Had nothing to do with it. Hey, Noah, I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press just because the music is going, and I have a hard break, but I'll be back next hour. Don't hang up. See you in a minute. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Nancy Stretch Pelosi. You notice she's starting to make fun of the intelligence and looks of other politicians like the president, Mitch McConnell. You notice that, Mr. Producer? So unbecoming of Nancy Stretch Pelosi. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who've listened to this program over the years, you know why I call her Stretch. It's obvious she's had an insane number of facelifts. You know, where they pull the skin and kind of tie it or glue it to the back of your neck. That's why her eyes pop out of her head. She can't blink. That's how tight that skin is. <laughs> she's Beavis and Butthead. Why? Why? But she's very upset, you know. According to the Washington Compost... Rachel Bade, the reporter. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told a group of lawmakers that Corey Lewandowski should have been held in contempt right then and there when he talked over members, dodged their questions, and promoted his possible Senate campaign from a House hearing. Now, let me tell you what an idiot she is. If they hold him in contempt, and if they want to prosecute him for being held in contempt, where does the contempt request go, Mr. Producer? To the U.S. Attorney's Office. Who runs the U.S. Attorney's Office? Trump's appointee. And I want to congratulate Corey Lewandowski. I thought he was terrific. It is a farce. It is a sham what took place. They wanted a spectacle and they got a spectacle. But it's important when witnesses go up there whether it's Candace Owens or Tom Homan or Corey Lewandowski or whomever, that they give better than they take because it's a charade. I know it's charade, but you know the left. It's a charade. And a small huddle with lawmakers from across the caucus. Pelosi complained that no witness should be able to treat members of Congress like President Trump's former campaign manager did during a Tuesday hearing before the House Judiciary Committee, according to three people familiar with the exchange, I would have held him in contempt right then and there, she said. Well, I hold you in contempt, you jerk. Several lawmakers in the room took her remarks as a dig at House Judiciary Committee Chairman Gerald Nett. You know, that guy from uh, Rhode Island, what is his name? Cicilline? No, no, no. The House, is it Cicilline? Cicilline, the weenie? You know, when that guy talks, he sounds like a prebubescent kid, doesn't he? Hey, 
That's not right. Like he's on helium or something. Now, look, I understand I don't have James Earl Jones's voice, but this guy makes everybody sound like uh, they're, uh, uh, you know, monitoring. Hey, hold him in contempt. Ah, shut up. You Anyway, technically staff would have had to draft up a contempt resolution to vote on in the committee, and Democrats thought it would be better to keep the focus on Trump. Doesn't matter. Nancy has them in her back pocket. She's ready. Hold them in contempt. Issue the subpoenas. The committee looked weak, they're afraid. It didn't look weak. It is weak. It's pathetic. It's a joke. It's Ringling Brothers all over again. Without the elephants. With the jackasses. The clowns. Might as well give them balls and red noses to, bounce on their, to, to, to balance on their noses. With the clapping seals in the liberal media. I've got some great audio, but give me a second. Before we do, I want to tell you what's going on in Israel. The uh, Blue and White Party is a pathetic entity in Israel. We are centrist, so what did they do? What did this guy Gantz do? I can't stand this guy. His, his entire desire is to rid Israel of Netanyahu. What did this guy do? He reached out to the Arab parties. Now, some of you hear me, well, so what? Don't you want to be inclusive? The Arab parties deny the existence of the state of Israel. The Arab parties have never, have never agreed to be in a governing coalition in Israel. So what did Gantz do? Gantz and his Obama advisor, this guy Benenson, is an Obama guy. They said, reach out to the Arabs, to the Arab parties, which are backed by the Palestinian Authority, you know, Abbas, terrorist. And uh, get the Arabs and the Arab parties to support as much as possible the vote, get out the vote. They will take seats away, thereby making it more possible for the blue and white party to win. Now, by win, what they meant by that is to deny Benjamin Netanyahu 61 seats. Netanyahu and other minority parties, the Likud party and other minority parties, have 55 seats. They're six short. This Nimrod, Gantz, has like 44, because you can't count the Arab parties unless they decide to join with him in the coalition. Can you imagine them joining with the Arab parties that don't even believe in the existence of the state of Israel? Many of them get their marching orders from Abbas at the Palestinian Authority. Imagine that. Not all, but many. Wall Street Journal, a surge in Arab voter turnout was a major factor in denying Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu a majority government, setting up a potentially historic moment for Arab political power in the country. This is what Gantz and Lapid did the two leaders of this, of this so-called center party, this is what they did. So they hate Netanyahu. Apparently, they're undermining their own country. Israel's Arab voters boosted their turnout to 60%, up from 49% in April's election, with their support for Benny Gantz's Blue and White Party, translating to the equivalent of one seat, according to an analysis 
by the Israeli Democracy Institute, a Jerusalem think tank. It's a left-wing think tank. Remember, I'm reading from the media. Gantz declared victory Thursday. There is no victory. I don't know how he's going to get a majority. So they, they lead the Likud party by one vote, 32 to 31. Wow, we got a victory here. They got a victory thanks to the Arabs and the Arab parties. Their goal was to deny Netanyahu. The Arab turnout reflected their desire to cast out Mr. Netanyahu. The left is the same everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. The left is the same everywhere. They are horrid. This guy, Gantz, brings in Obama's top advisor, Benenson, who advised Obama in 2008, or was it 2010? Whatever it was, 2008, right, and 2012. Something to that effect. Blue and white vows unity coalition without Netanyahu. So this guy Gantz then says, look, I, I want to be, we need a unity party or we're going to have another election, which they all want to avoid. We need a unity party here. And we'll go in with Likud if Likud gets rid of Benjamin Netanyahu. In other words, Gantz is trying to dictate what the Likud party should do. Sure, sure, we'll join in with the Likud party, but you got to get rid of Netanyahu. So number one, this guy Gantz, he throws in with the Arab parties who don't even believe in the existence of the state of Israel. And then number two, he says, sure, we'll join a unity party or we'll try and create a unity government, but only if you and Likud get rid of your leader, Netanyahu. And he's hoping that there's a few backstabbers in that party who will do just that, you know, like a Romney, something like that. Let's hope that doesn't fly. Netanyahu and the minority parties have 55. What a screwed up election system. Truly screwed up. I don't see any way Gantz gets a majority unless the Arab parties decide to throw in with him. Then the final thing is the president of Israel. It's not like the president of the United States. He has certain ministerial tasks. One of them is under circumstances like this to try and persuade parties to get together to form a government. He's a liberal. His name is Rivlin. He hates Netanyahu. So we're going to watch this from here. Shocking, isn't it? You have a prime minister like Netanyahu who's delivered so much for his people. Shocking, isn't it? That's why I say you got to get a message from this when it comes to our election. Don't be so cocksure that we're going to win this thing. There's a lot of nut jobs out there. We may not win this thing unless you become extremely active. Then there's this piece about the never-Trumpers. In the Washington Examiner by David Drucker, Republicans opposed to President Trump are quietly preparing to support Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden, backing that would materialize in the primary as he attempts to fend off a surging Elizabeth Warren. So you have never Trumpers, including some who've backed Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, others who you're very familiar with. They're going to get behind Joe Biden. Can you believe that? These never-Trumpers. They are absolutely diabolical. Absolutely diabolical. And some of them have succeeded in concealing who they are. They kind of play both sides. 
They kind of play both sides. But they want to back Joe Biden. It is remarkable how Donald Trump won the 2016 election when you consider all the forces arrayed against him. The media, senior levels of the FBI, senior levels of the intelligence agency, the Obama administration. When you consider that, really incredible that he won. And now we know Google, thanks to my interview with Robert Edstein. Google putting its finger on the scales, pushing the Democrats, and they're going to do it again if an effort isn't made to stop them. I'll be right back. Lovin. All right, let's have a little fun. As I told you, I was at the Tea Party Patriots event on the Western Lawn at the Capitol today. Ted Cruz had been there. Um, our buddy Louis Gohmert, he's just terrific. He was there. This Congressman Hines from Georgia, he was terrific. Mike Lee had been there. I didn't see him, but he'd been there earlier. And others. And it was stop socialism, support capitalism, among other things. And here in part were some of my comments. Cut 14, go. Big government regulates every aspect of health care. Every aspect of health care. But it's not enough. They have promised us for 50 years that they were going to reduce premiums. 50 years that they were going to reduce deductibles. 50 years that you can go see any doctor you want, get any pharmaceutical you want. Well, is that what's happened? And now, what do they say? I'll tell you what, we'll control the whole thing. We will force you all into the VA. That's what they're telling you right now. How many of you paid into Medicare your entire lives? You have candidates running for office who now say somebody who steps into this country illegally this minute should have access to Medicare. And Medicare is going bankrupt. What are they doing about it? Nothing. Now, we don't need any more promises from low IQ politicians who are appealing to their radical left wing base. Now, we need less government, more liberty. We need to go on the offensive. They talk about taxing wealth. Where's that in the Constitution? They talk about 70 to 90 percent higher marginal income tax rates. Where's that in the Constitution? They talk about eliminating the Second Amendment, which is in the Constitution. They talk about eliminating the Electoral College, which is in the Constitution. And they wave around the Constitution when they think it helps us. Otherwise, they dismiss it. They dismiss it as a body of work written by slaveholders. They are schizophrenic. And they're worse. They're diabolical. Cut 15. Go. I hear it said, what business is it of ours what Iran does? I don't know. What business was it of ours what Osama bin Laden did in a cave in Afghanistan? Wars don't begin in Kansas. Wars don't begin in Texas. Wars don't begin in North Dakota. Wars don't begin in Florida. They begin 7,000 miles away, 9,000 miles away. Why do you think that regime wants... ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. And why do you think they want to put nuclear warheads on them? Because of us. We are the number one Satan. What do we have to do? Wait for them to tell us? They do tell us every time they speak. 
Well, Mark, how many more wars do you want us involved in? None. But the enemy wants us involved in a lot of wars. And the fact of the matter is, you can have significant casualties, significant deaths. If you close your eyes, take an ostrich position, and you watch the enemy form, you watch the enemy get stronger and stronger, and you pretend that we here in the continental United States are protected. If 9-11 taught us anything, it taught us that's not true. If World War II taught us anything when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor, that showed us it wasn't true. Every major war we've been involved in, in modern times, started somewhere else. And then somewhere else became America. When they hit New York, when they hit Washington, when they hit central Pennsylvania, what is it going to take for the code pink Republicans and the leftists to understand that we have a military for one reason, not to colonize, not because we're imperialists, it's to kick their ass before they hit us. Iran, Iran hits Arabia. I don't give a damn about Saudi Arabia. That's not the point. Do you happen to know where the United States Fifth Fleet is? It's in Bahrain. If they can hit Saudi Arabia with pinpoint accuracy with drones and cruise missiles, the United States Fifth Fleet, the United States Fifth Fleet can be hit just as easily. Iran showed us a few days ago they have the technological know-how to hurt us, and they have the will to hurt us. Do we have the will to defend ourselves, yes or no? Yeah! All right, folks, and then a couple more clips after the bottom of the hour. And then I want to tell you something that took place in Dearborn, Michigan. Dearbornistan. That's right, Dearbornistan. I want to tell you about that, too. Um, I think it's very important, even if I'm the only voice speaking out about this, that I present my viewpoint. That's not a neocon, interventionist, alt-right, whatever damn stupid label people want to apply to it. My position used to be the mainstream position. Well, Mark, uh, you know, We've tried your way before. We haven't tried anything. Every country's different. Every situation is different. But if they sound like an enemy, they act like an enemy, perhaps they are the enemy. I'll be right back. of the Constitution you've got. Are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. If you go on my social sites right now, Mark Levin Facebook, Mark Levin Twitter, you will see the cover page of an original copy, December 23, 1776. It's amazing. Of the American cause. Thomas Paine's pamphlet. And I can tell you, having brought it out before the show and took a picture of it and then asked my buddy Rich to post it, you can see why there's so few of them left. It's parchment, but it's very fragile. It's not falling apart, but it could fall apart if it's not handled and kept properly. 
you know, with my 357 Magnum, Mr. Producer. Just to make sure it's protected, yes, with my hollow point bullets. Uh, nonetheless, I'm flirting with giving that to an institution. I've given my Federalist Papers extremely valuable, extremely valuable to Hillsdale College. A letter signed by Dr. Warren before the, the Battle of Bunker Hill actually breeds Hill. Those of you Massachusetts know what I'm talking about. Begging for gunpowder from the New York Assembly, but unfortunately New York didn't have enough gunpowder. And of course, after the third wave, of, after the second wave of the Redcoats, the British came. In the third wave, they ran out of gunpowder, the Americans. And Joseph Warren was murdered. Joseph Warren at the time was a bigger, well-known patriot than George Washington, who wasn't really on the scene yet. But he was murdered, shot between the eyes. He was 36 years old. That letter also is with Hillsdale College. If you want to visit their Constitution Center, the Kirby Center, on Massachusetts Avenue in Washington, D.C. I acquired an extremely rare copy of a handwritten, I guess we would call it a bill or invoice, written by Lieutenant Colonel George Washington. It was the last lease on Mount Vernon where he laid out what he was going to pay and what was on the plantation, including some slaves. Dated 1760. I acquired that, ultimately gave that to Mount Vernon. I just feel like there's certain things that need to be in the right place. And now I have the American cause. You know, the summer soldier, so forth. That pamphlet. And I take it out now and then, and I say to myself, you know, it's pretty damn selfish of me to hold this this way. You know, I wrote one of my books with the Federalist Papers in their special uh, protective cover right next to my laptop as I wrote on Freedom of the Press with Thomas Paine's pamphlet next to my laptop. They're very inspiring to me. Well, Mark, that's because you get a great tax deduction when you donate them. I do get a tax deduction, but let me tell you something. It never pays to spend $1 to get back 40 cents, Mr. Producer. I don't do this for tax deductions. I would go broke doing this for tax deductions. I do it because I feel it's the right thing. I feel it's the right thing. So we'll see. But go ahead and take a look at the photo of it. <clears throat> the first page. It's really quite fascinating. Over at Mediate, which is a really left-wing hack site with low IQ posters, nothing original there, but they're snarky, sarcastic, anti-American comments. Listen to this headline. Ben Carson said to have made transphobic remarks in HUD meeting. Big hairy men are trying to get into women's shelters. Transphobic remarks? What if big hairy men are trying to get into women's shelters? 
But I have another question, Mr. Purdue. What if big hairy women are trying to get into men's shelters? It's all so confusing these days. Very confusing. But mediaites on the job defending big hairy men. Just thought you'd want to know. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi's secret health care plan is officially out. It's a lot worse than we originally thought. She's going to tell you her plan will lower drug prices. Folks, remember how Obamacare was going to lower costs? That didn't happen either. Now let me tell you what it really does, because now we know. If federal bureaucrats decide that a drug costs too much, the maker of that drug will be forced to sell the drug at the price the government sets or be retroactively taxed at least 65% of the gross sales of that drug from the previous year and up to 95%. So a retroactive tax of between 65 and 95%, which will destroy pharmaceutical companies. You know, when you go to the drugstore, how do you go to the grocery store or whatever, or a warehouse store to get your medicines? That stuff doesn't just appear. You pay for it or your insurance company pay whatever. It's not doesn't just appear. That what you're looking at takes years and years of research and science. Enormous capital investment. You don't see it, but it's true. And to have politicians step in and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. A 95% assessed tax retroactively applied, that'll kill any company. Put it out of business. And then when you go to the pharmacy, your drugs are going to be very cheap. You know why, Mr. Producer? They won't exist. Now, what we know about the government is, is they create demand and kill supply. Rationing, long lines, that sort of stuff. Government can tell private companies what they can charge for their products. It's the beginning of the end of our competitive market system and our advances in medicine, technologies, drugs, system that has attracted billions of dollars in investments to develop the drugs people depend on and to help them live a quality life. Dr. Pelosi. Is there a Dr. Pelosi in the house? The Pelosi plan is a socialized medicine fantasy. It'll kill the investments needed to create tomorrow's miracle drugs and hurt our health care system. And let's talk about what it'll do to you and your parents and your grandparents and your children. I only hope House Republicans oppose this. It should be dead on arrival for any GOP member. Folks, get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. I'm quite serious. It's very, very important to check this out. I want to tell you about Dearbornistan. This is a piece in the Detroit News. Burgerim, it's a burger franchise. Nix's Dearborn location after backlash. Well, what's this? I believe this is Rashida Talib's part of her district. A growing burger chain has canceled plans to open a location in Dearborn following backlash from the city's Arab-American community based on the company's Israeli roots. Burger-im, B-U-R-G-E-R-I-M, which translates to many burgers in Hebrew, announced plans to open a location earlier this year on Greenfield Road and Warren Avenue. By summer, calls to boycott spread through social media, 
based on the company's Israeli roots. It's the Jews, you see. The chain has locations in Livonia, in Royal Oak, and Troy. These are all Michigan. But it was the Dearborn location that disrupted plans for an opening, said company executives. Franchisee Sam Zarr, a Lebanese-American from Dearborn, was approved to open locations in Michigan, starting with his hometown, Dearborn. He delayed the opening in July, hoping backlash would die down, he said. It didn't. So he canceled the opening indefinitely, he told the Detroit News, quote, I invested more than $170,000 in this location, and the online campaigns didn't stop, said Czar, 43. I had to think, what's going to happen at the grand opening? It got to a point where my kids were getting bullied at school. I decided not to move forward with it and cut the losses. It's in America. This is in America. The burger chain was founded in Israel, opening its first location in Tel Aviv in 2011, before rights were sold to reopen the United St- in the United States. It was an American-based outfit in 2015, said company executives. The controversy over the business cuts to the heart of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. No, it doesn't. The idea that this is an Israeli concept, that it's been based out of Israel and gives back to Israel, couldn't be further from the truth, said Janae Gilliam, Burger M. Executive Vice President. We have zero relationship with Israel. Ownership came to the U.S. to start and launch the concept here. We're 100% U.S.-based, and nothing is getting shipped or diverted back to Israel. Well, thank God. Thank God for that, ladies and gentlemen. The executive vice president here in the United States, she says, hey, look, I'm involving Israel and the Jews. I don't know what these Arabs are all worked up about. However, when Amir Zar, a Palestinian-American comedian, A-M-E-R-Z-A-H-R, a Palestinian-American comedian and law professor at the University of Detroit Mercy, learned of the Bergerim opening in Dearbornistan. He mobilized a boycott movement, a BDS boycott of the chain, saying that Israel has stolen land from Palestinians during its occupation of the West Bank. The boycott, divestment, and sanction of Israel is not against its people, he says, but a boycott of Israeli businesses that are supporting the country's economy during one of the world's longest ongoing conflicts. And the comedian professor, that's about right, said its current CEO is Israeli. Also, no evidence exists that this Israeli-founded, Israeli-run company or officials have ever publicly expressed either anti-Zionist sentiments or support for Palestinian equality and rights. In other words, you have to oppose Israel. It's very existence. Then you can open a hamburger place in Dearbornistan. Because this, this comedian professor, you know, he'll have none of it. And he said while the company technically has no formal legal connection to the Israeli operations, a change of address doesn't erase its ugly history. So I looked desperately at MSLSD and CNN, the Constipated News Network, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, all their affiliates, surrogates, and all the rest of it. I don't see any objection to this anywhere. Maybe the Democrat Party will object. No. No. They kind of like this kind of stuff. Maybe it'll be raised at the next Democrat presidential debate by 
fake tapped out or Wolf Blitzed or Dummy Lemon or Fredo Cuomo or the long line of reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents on CNN and MSNBC and all the rest of them. Maybe Chuck Todd will bring this up on Meet the Depressed. Because we all know if the shoe were on the other foot, and this was being done to a Muslim company, in particular a Palestinian-owned company, we'd all be told how America's been taken over by white nationalists. Especially quoting Joy Reid, rich white male Christians. Can't have any of that. Dear Bornistan, the future. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Whistleblower complaint against Trump reportedly involves... From the Huffington Post, you can tell all the liberals on this committee are leaking now, Mr. Producer. Ukraine. Wow. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to lose sleep over this. Not really. In fact, not in the least. Liberty and learning. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice, a series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. This is what Aristotle argued for, too. And they're all right. Rejecting the idea that we have nothing to learn from the past, Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism and liberty in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington. Hillsdale educates thoughtful students so they might perpetuate liberty. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Isn't it fascinating how the left is all excited about a whistleblower? We have no idea what's been said, but involves a country called Ukraine. All the leaks are coming out from the left. And doesn't that bring to mind Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, and Ukraine? And how Hunter Biden... Obviously a genius at finance, much like Chelsea Clinton. Makes millions and millions of dollars from his father's connections to the Ukrainian government. And there's no interest whatsoever at the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or the Constipated News Network. None of them. None of them want to talk about it. But now we have a whistleblower. Oh, my God. And We need to get to the bottom of this. Adam Schiff, will you get to the bottom of the Bidens in Ukraine? No. And where's this guy Richard Burr from North Carolina, a putative Republican that runs the Senate Intelligence Committee? Where the hell is that guy? 
He's like a mannequin dummy. I don't even know where he is. What, I mean, what's he doing? And then you got that Mark Warner. Who talks like all the time, like he's, uh, you know, sitting on a uh, whatever. I don't know how these people get elected, by the way. I wouldn't even want to be near them in a diner. Would you, Mr. Producer? That's the breaking news. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? We must elect Elizabeth Warren. But here you have the, the guy leading in the Democrat primary so far. They don't want to know butkus about the Ukraine, his son. There's also a red China aspect. All They don't want... Rudy says, I'm going to go to Ukraine and get to the... What are you nuts? Oh, look at Rudy. Rudy, something's wrong with Rudy. Why don't you send one of your New York Slimers over there? That's a good name for reporters over there, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Why don't you send one of your New York Slimers over there? Or your Washington composters? Or your CNNers? Or your MSLSDers? Why don't you send one of them over to the Ukraine to see what the hell's... Can't do that. We're all sitting here and awaiting... Leaks from the Democrats, so we can all say the same thing and connect the dots. We're going to connect the dots over here. They're not going to connect anything. There's nothing to connect. The endless war against Donald Trump by the United States media. Endless. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all you folks out there who protect us and help us. Thank you. Please get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press at Amazon.com if you haven't gotten it yet. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.